Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art, trailers, and behind the scenes. And this week, it's my month! Whoa! And we're starting out with Bill and Ted's most excellent adventure! This is going to be a most excellent podcast. Tired of school. Who is Joan of Arc? Noah's wife. Like to travel. Let's go back into history. Let's reach out and touch someone. Want to meet people in the past. Put them in the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden? Excellent! Execute them. Odious. Then hitch a ride with George Carlin, Keanu Reeves, and Alex Winter in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure from Orion Pictures. Oh, I love, 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 love. Did I mention I love this movie? Uh, same. <laughs> uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure kicks off our Before They Were Stars month. Yeah, we've got five of them coming up. This is our first one and probably the biggest one. So you, and I'm assuming most of the listeners this uh, week, have seen this before. <laughs> Maybe just a few times. Just a few times. How did you see this? How many times have you seen this? See, I don't think what I saw this. I don't think I saw this in theater. Okay. I believe uh, you know this came out in '89, uh, so probably you rented, could rent it in '90, maybe hmm. somewhere around there. But I really didn't see it until it came out on syndication, uh, whatever local station we had, maybe whatever the WB was before the WB. Hmm. Yeah. So way back in the day when I had like five channels, this seemed to be on all the time and we maybe rented it but i'm pretty sure i caught like the last half hour of this like 50 times as a kid nice yeah i have also seen this like probably hundreds of times like without over exaggerating (laughs) like i've probably seen this hundreds of times my my memory so like this came out in 1989 uh so did i so this was around (laughs) <laughs> a lot when I was like a kid. Um, I remember when I was younger, my video store that I used to go to had the 27 by 40 poster of Focus Journey. So I kind of always had an awareness of them, like as long as I could remember like renting movies uh, because they had this poster and like it's got death on it and stuff like that. And like it was immediately shit I was attracted to. And then I think I saw this movie, yeah, probably on TV for the first time in the ni- early 90s and loved it naturally. But this sort of like new. I was going to love it. I remember at a very young age, you know, with my first, one of my first allowances, buying a used tape from, uh, from like a supermarket store. Watched it over and over and over again. Still watch it today. First time I watched this movie with uh, Ashley was the same tape that I had been watching from childhood. And like, we have since gone on to watch it hundreds of times together. (laughs) Like, we both love this movie too. Um, So like, I've just, I've had this long history with Bill and Ted's Excellent Avenger and Bogus Journey as well. I just fucking love these movies. Yeah, there's like a totally excellent bromance with it, man. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's just, it's just like the definition of feel good from start to finish. They have such a kid quality. 
So I listened to the commentary that Shout Factory put out. The director of this said they were like two Labrador puppies. <laughs> and that's that's true. Yeah, you just... You can't want... help but love them. Yeah, exactly. And they pulled it off. It's such a special movie. While we'll, we're talking about the movie, I'll put some of the really interesting things I found out about this. But as of right now, do you want to break down this box art? Yeah, let's take a look at this. So imagine you have no awareness of this movie. Now, when you step into a video store and you see two actors you might recognize but not really know, you know, at this time, you may have seen them in something before, you know, okay, kind of recognize these guys. Uh, sitting on top of a phone booth filled with what are clearly historical figure, figures flying through space. And in the moon is George Carlin, who everybody knew in 1989, rolling his eyes at these guys. And it says, history is about to be rewritten by two guys who can't spell, which is a great tagline. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. And it's the sort of this purple, like they're in space, but it is like this 80s, late 80s purple color as they're flying through space. If I had never heard of this movie ever before, I would have snatched this up so fucking fast. <laughs> like discovering it for the first time. I bet this thing was hard to keep on the shelves when it first launched into any video store. Yeah, I can't imagine. If I was a kid in 1989 and I stumbled upon this, I'd be like, I can't take this back. Like, I have to keep this. <laughs> yeah. Like, we need to buy this now. Flipping it over to the back here, we've got a quote from Teen Martyr Magazine. <laughs> can't say I've heard of that one. It's Joan of Arc, so it's a joke. Yeah, um, okay. And it says, totally hot. I'd stake my life on it. That's fun. Yeah, it's fun, but they couldn't get a real quote also? <laughs> I just like that they're having fun even with that shit. Here's our description for the movie. Bill Preston, Alex Winter, and Ted Logan, Keanu Reeves, are two totally excellent dudes facing one most heinous history exam. In the whacked-out, time-warped comedy, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. With the help of Rufus, George Carlin, an ultra-cool messenger in a time-traveling phone booth, the triumphant twosome bag a bevy of historical heavyweights like the bodacious philosopher Socrates, Socrates, uh, <laughs> one very excellent barbarian, Genghis Khan, and the short dead dude, Napoleon, and Noah's wife, Joan of Arc, to stage the most hysterical high school project ever. History is about to be rewritten by two guys who can't spell in the hilarious hit, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. On the side here, we have picture like publicity still of George Carlin looking cool, putting sunglasses on. Uh, we've got stills from the movie of like the three people in the future that we see, like timekeepers that are from the future. Then Genghis Khan and Abraham Lincoln. We've got one just still of Napoleon and one of Socrates and Billy the Kid. Uh, this is from 1989. Comedy, Orion Pictures, uh, 90 minutes. This... VHS box art almost seems like New Line did it. It's so good. It is like, so good. It's almost too good to be anyone else but like New Line or a few other of the the gym distributors who come out with these things. This thing is just perfect. This is exactly what they needed. It's so 90s. Yes, yes. This 1989 as the beginning of the 90s were coming this is definitely that feel i will say that like orion had a lot of that type of advertising like new line did you know when i think of like robocop 
and some of the movies they were putting out. I think of the, I think of them fondly, like I think of New Line, though. Although this this tape wasn't put out by Orion, now, it was Nelson, but still. Well, Orion distributed the VHSs, which I did not find out until I listened to the commentary. Oh, okay. And the special features. This has a, a very wacky story of how it was distributed. Originally, the script was owned by Warner Brothers. And famously, it had them traveling back in time in a van. Because of Back to the Future's rise in popularity, Warner Brothers is like, we gotta, that's gotta go. And so the producer that was given this, he's like, oh, you know, I worked with it, we with the writers, the creators, we figured it out, we moved it over to a phone booth. Warner Brothers is like, sweet, great, love the script now, we're not gonna make it. <laughs> And it was one of those things, I'm sure it was mostly part, they didn't know how to sell it. it it's just one of these weird things that they probably didn't want to touch, because they're like, even if we know how to sell it, they're probably not going to make a lot of money in their eyes. So he literally got on his bicycle and went over to Interscope or Nelson. I don't know which one he went over to. Showed it to them. They liked it. They eventually uh, got help from Dino Would, De Laurentiis. Yeah. The Italians. And uh, they liked it even though they didn't understand it. In fact, they said they had to explain to Dino what dude meant. <laughs> and he couldn't get it. And finally someone's just like, oh, it means macho. And he's like, oh, okay, I like it. <laughs> and so they went. And that's how this film was made for $8 million. And they put it all together. And then they edited it. And they're like, we've got it. We've got a film. And then Dino whole production company went bankrupt so they had new investors who had bought it up come in looked at the screen the movie and said nope can it and so it took over a year quite a bit of time for them finally to get picked up and that's definitely when nelson came in and then after nelson screened it test screened it it, like the scores were so high they just saw dollar signs in their eyes so good for them for knowing that this thing was going to make money now I think Orion came in at the end and either did the VHS's or something else I, I don't know it, it wasn't quite clear but this was one of Orion's highest grossing VHS's of the early 90's because how could you not yeah. like we were talking about how could you pass this one up if you saw this VHS tape it's gold. Yeah, it, this. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it, I guess when we get into the movie how how much gold it is. But yeah. uh, should we should we take a look at these trailers here? We should. Let's pop this tape in. Now playing at a motion picture theater near you. Okay, so these trailers are amazing. Yes, they are amazing, and it's so funny. Like I have this tape as well. It has like the Nelson logo, and it's got Orion on the back. But mine is different from your tape because mine's just the movie starts off. You've got some amazing trailers on here, and I think I came to the conclusion that my tape is either like a LP or EP mode, where it's mm -hmm. like less tape, and yours is more standard play. So I might have a later release. Like you've got, you've probably got one from '89. I've probably got one from like '91. Well, I also like noticed that. that is Orion a Canadian company? No. Because the address on the bottom right here is Canadian. Well, they also have a New York address, too. They have both. Yeah. So I'm wondering, could this be a Canadian release? I don't know. I have no idea. But mine is different from yours somehow. So I, it's just so weird. And mine, like, says Nelson on the back. It says Orion. I don't know. It's so weird. 
We yeah, just have different tapes of the same thing from the same time. It's that wacky time period, kids. <laughs> Flooding the market. It didn't fucking yeah. matter. Like, they were just like, keep putting it out. Keep putting it out. <laughs> <laughs> the first one, I guess, is this a PSA? Would you call this? It's it's a PSA slash commercial. Because you, you get a commercial with it as well. Yeah, it's, it's cut into two pieces. In the middle... Well, it's cut into three pieces. In the middle, we have a Cheerios commercial that's like 90s kids on skateboards. They're like, eat your Cheerios, man, because they're awesome. Yeah. Then at the beginning, it shows Trevor lives in this incredibly expensive house or something, but he hangs out here, and then it shows basically, you know, like, I don't know, ghetto in a way. Yeah, like sort of an 80s ghetto look. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, And then the second part after the Cheerios commercial shows Trevor's like Trevor helps the homeless he feeds him and then they cleverly put in a Reagan picture did you see that yeah yeah ah, ah! just the 80s just <laughs> bleeding the 80s in there I always forget but I, I know it but I always forget that Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is a PG rated movie oh yeah that's right so they are definitely marketing this to kids oh yeah definitely so it's like Cheerios and then the other stuff we're going to talk about in a second it's obviously marketing to kids I immediately, even now, as a full-grown adult, wanted, like, Honey Cheerios, or what is that called? Uh, whatever, the ones uh, that's got, like, Honey, honey Nut Cheerios. Honey Nut Cheerios. Cheerios. The sweeter one. <laughs> Damn good job. <laughs> I love the skateboard in that Cheerios commercial, that 90s kid. Yeah, it's awesome. And this is, like, <laughs> like, the prototype of the 90s kid, because we really got the full 90s kid in the mid-90s, where you had, like, the full Bart Simpson. Yeah. And everything like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess skateboarding was popular at this point, but I always think of like skateboarding in the mid '90s. Yeah. So. No, this is this was the beginning of that. Like this okay. was sort of the walking through the door of the '90s here. <laughs> I could never skateboard. No, me neither. Never could get it. <laughs> never could figure it out. Well, we were the lame kids that didn't break our ankles. Well, see, the skateboard that I have in my basement, I used to, and I use still. To put the camera on yeah. when we're filming something and to push the shit. Because we don't have, like, a, a dolly, like, rig or anything like that. So, skateboard on a rope works, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's what I use my skateboard for that, then and now still. Desperately trying to get all the rocks out of the way so it doesn't Right, it's got to be smooth. Yeah, you got to, like, smooth the ground before you pull the skateboard or else you're just jumping all around. Camera's bouncing. It looks like a fucking born movie or something <laughs> which might work <laughs> the next thing to come up here just this is pure gold this promo of where it comes down and it's just someone dubbed over reading like you can win prizes you can be dumb it only costs a dollar fifty the first minute and a dollar each additional minute where you can play the watch and win trivia game of Bill and Ted's most excellent adventure, or Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. I don't know why I keep putting most. Because they always say it, you know, yeah. most heinous or most, yeah, most excellent. Hello, this is not the start of the movie, nor is it any kind of warning from the FBI. The following message asks you to make a phone call, a call that costs a dollar fifty for the first minute and a dollar for each additional minute. Before you call, ask your parents for permission. However, you have a right to know that no call is in fact necessary, no video rental is necessary, and no intelligence is necessary to participate. You should also be aware that not only is this one of the most spectacular, grandiose, totally amazing games in the history of mankind, 
mankind, it could easily change your life forever. Or not. Bill and Ted proudly present the Watch and Win Trivia Game. It couldn't be easier to play. Excellent! Even if you're a complete bobo. Oh, yes. Just dial 1-900-988-DUDE, and an official research scientist from the Bureau of Massive Brain Usage will ask you two incredibly stupid trivia questions about this movie. Tall bastard! If you get both of them right, you'll be eligible for a chance to score one of hundreds of instant prizes. Not worthless garbage, but cool stuff. Missy? Designer Bill and Ted T-shirts. A really neat skateboard from Vision Sports. <laughs> Genuine Bill and Ted video cassettes. Four packs of Fuji T120 HQ blank video cassettes. Well, you can't have too many of these lying around. That's right, Missy. And tell them about the prize that's really worth some heavy money. Your very own Sony VCR. Hi, on, dude. But wait, that's just the beginning. Whoa! Because if you're able to answer those two harmless little questions correctly... Not bad. And you'd have to be seriously dense not to. Then, not only can you win one of our instant prizes, you'll automatically be entered into our grand prize drawing. Are you ready for this? Yes, you could win the excellent adventure vacation in Paris. An expense-paid trip for two to Paris, France. Seven incredible days in the country that brought us that short dead dude, Napoleon. No way. Yes way, Ted! It's so easy to play, it's almost pathetic. Just dial 1-900-988-DUDE from any touchstone phone. But before you do... Ask your parents' permission. Execute them. Because it's a dollar fifty for the first minute and a buck for each additional minute. And we know how funny parents can be about such matters. Excellent. Yeah, this this like trivia thing, it's a 900 number you call and you could they're like, we're gonna ask you two really stupid questions about the movie, and you could win prizes such as t-shirts, a skateboard, blank VHS tapes, or a VCR. Whoa! <laughs> VCR! I could have one in my room. Yeah, it's really, really, really great. And like Missy, I mean mom is in it as yeah. <laughs> uh, the model that's showing off like the t-shirt and the skateboard and the VCR. It's really great. By the way, we called one 800 988 a dude uh it, it's no longer a working number i was very sad yeah i wanted to play the trivia i don't need mm -hmm. the prizes just like let me play let me hear the guy's voice on the other end being like do you know the answer to press one for press two for <laughs> yeah the last trailer here which is very odd and a trailer that should not be put into this tape yeah. is winter people with kurt russell yes some PG-13, because they say it. They're like, rated PG-13, coming soon to a video store near you. Some PG-13, like, uh, what, what would you call those? Like, those wilderness movies, I guess, with Kurt Russell and Kelly McGillis. Like, yeah, and she's was... protecting her child? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was a weird, weird choice, and it's got, like, the Lost Boys music over it, like, the trailer. Please, if anyone has ever heard of this, post it on our Facebook page and let us know if it is worth tracking down. 
Yeah, if you have the VHS of it too, just send it our way. We'll do it. <laughs> we'll jump in on it. We'll see. We love Kurt Russell. Even though this film looks like something I'd never watch yes. normally. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's time for the feature presentation. And now, our feature presentation. These credits with the like giant crystal thing coming down, like all yeah. that, just blew my mind as a kid. Oh yeah, it was like, this movie is gigantic <laughs> to me this movie is huge and like i have i have actually gotten to see this movie in theaters a couple times now that scene on the big screen too is just massive yeah it's so good and it like with that super 80s song that starts like it throws you into this movie and it gets you so hyped yeah it's like whoa yeah. So cool. Because besides these lovable characters, you're presenting a really like cool world as well, like where you've got, you know, time travel and the future and all this like cool tech with the with the time with the time machine um phone booth. Uh, I forgot what they were called because they don't exist anymore. <laughs> but yeah, well, that's... time machine phone booth. Yeah, I mean, this movie just literally has it all. I think even just from moment one, you're thrown into that. You're just like. This is everything I want. This is everything I want in a movie. And then it goes right into Bill and Ted just being Bill and Ted, playing their instruments, and they're awful. Ted, while I agree that in time our band will be most triumphant, the truth is Wild Stallions will never be a super band until we have Eddie Van Halen on guitar. Yes, Bill, but I do not believe we will get Eddie Van Halen until we have a triumphant video. Ted, it's pointless to have a triumphant video before we even have decent instruments. Well, how can we have decent instruments when we don't really even know how to play? That is why we need Eddie Van Halen. And that is why we need a triumphant video. Excellent! Their argument is so, like, adorable. Because <laughs> it's just like, no, Ted! We gotta make an awesome music video, and then then Bill's like, "No, man, we need to get Eddie Van Halen." <laughs> yeah, and they're just going back and forth. But I love at the end when they both say their side of the argument one more time. They're like, "Excellent!" <laughs> <laughs> and they they played off each other so well. This this whole movie. Their, like, friendship is so infectious. You feel like you are friends with Bill and Ted by the end of this movie. Like, it is, they're so lovable and they're so fun and they're so, like, fun when they're with each other. It's it's amazing. And, like, I've seen this movie hundreds of times, like I said before. Their delivery, I know what they're going to say, but their delivery gets me every time. I laugh my ass off every time with some of those like missy i mean mom like the way they do it or like most heinous or when they say like really big words like they they actually sound smart for a second but they're like doing it and they're like valley boy voice cracks me up every time yeah bodacious yes one of the ones i just love heinous heinous followed me around probably until i got into college when i was like i should probably stop saying this uh love it it's gonna we are in that like gap though right right now we are in that perfect time of where it's transitioning from 80s to 90s nostalgia right now Mm -hmm. heinous is gonna come back i hope so (laughs) rad rad just came back and that's a little bit before this is like two or three years before this rad is back now so heinous is next. So now I can start talking again like I did in middle school and high school. And it's going to be cool. Like you're going to be one of the hip kids. You could do it. Over- yes, finally. 
over Snapchat or whatever the fucking kids use today. Like you could you could talk like we did when we were kids again. <laughs> Excellent. That one's I I kind of get into a little bit of Wayne's World, kind of. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think I honestly I love Wayne's World, and I think I think Mike Myers is a fucking genius and underrated, even though he's still a giant celebrity. But I think. Wayne's World would have never happened if it wasn't for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You might be right. Like, I think that paved the way for that. And I think Wayne's World does enough different, but there is some crossover there, obviously, like the, the way they talk and everything like that. Well, two um, dudes playing yeah. instruments, wanting to be rock stars yeah, yeah. kind of thing. There's, there's a lot of crossover there. Yeah. But, like, it is different enough. It wouldn't have happened, though, if it wasn't for this. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Most excellent and you can kind of tell uh, bill and ted have that they're not miscreants i don't know why that word just came out <laughs> but they're kind of outsiders yeah no they're they're misfits for sure they they're yeah. friends with like each other and that's it yeah because they don't they're have, like a big group they follow around you know it's just that yeah they never really show they they did in the original script and even shot some scenes apparently for this movie that never made it where they were being made fun of by the jocks but they didn't need to. They could cut that out. For some reason, you just know. It yeah. seems like they're hanging out with themselves a lot. They see Missy a lot. They see their two dads. And that's kind of probably it. Yeah, like you can actually tell that the brother of uh, Ted has more friends. Because they go to the mall together yeah. and they go bowling and all that shit. Like, But Bill and Ted are just with each other the whole time. So like, the, the little brother is more popular. And the little brother might be smarter Oh, yeah, Ted. he's, like, more, like, normal, whereas, like, <laughs> Ted is just, like, the definition of airhead. Can we just talk about Ted's hair? It's amazing. <laughs> it's magnificent. I could never pull it off, but uh, it's wonderful. Yeah, so it was a big deal to Keanu Reeves to pull off what he had, you know, quoted in is Ted hair. Ted hair's hair is different than everyone else's hair. And he would always try to grab it and pull it out to the side, but at the same time standing up. And it was very difficult. It, they shot most of this movie in Arizona, so that's, you can tell in the Arizona shots his hair is perfect. Yeah. But when they went to like Italy, the I guess like the moisture in the air knocked it down. And uh. he was like really distraught where he would take so much time to try to set this up. And when they show the, Socrates scene when they first get him, his hair is down, and he's apparently he was always very depressed about that. <laughs> it's like, man, I just couldn't pull it off. <laughs> uh, Keanu Reeves is so sweet. Like, I wish I was best friends with Keanu Reeves. I wish I was best friends with Alex Winter too. I fucking love both of these guys because they just, even in real life, seem like just the best. Yeah, they constantly. So the process of becoming Bill and Ted took forever. Alex Winter tells really great stories where he's just like you would see the same people come in and audition he was like even though you've heard of all these names it seemed like the same 20 people in a waiting room and he's like you saw paulie shore trying to get this you saw wesley crusher what is that actor's name um in star trek now he runs like will a wheaton? yeah will wheaton would come for this could you imagine will wheaton being one of these two? I, I love will wheaton but not here no not here. it's no. gotta be these two well i mean just to hear paulie shore and then i heard uh one of the quarries or maybe both quarries came out for this one and just didn't work out so it, it was like all these people and then i i find it hilarious that we get keanu reeves in it and they don't they didn't even know if keanu was the right guy because they're like uh, i don't know 
But they said what really pulled it off was is Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves kept getting called back to read with other people, and they said they'd always notice that both of them would be in the corner, hanging out with themselves, talking about the role. And eventually, I don't know if it was the producer or the writers who saw it, and they're like, you know what? I think we found our Bill and Ted, but they had them flipped. Mm. Right before they started shooting, they made Alex Winter Bill, because Bill's a little smarter. Well, Ted, Alex Winter was Bill. Was Bill. Wait. Alex Winter is Bill. Yeah, Ted, okay, sorry. Ted Theodore Roosevelt is Keanu Reeves in the movie, but before he was, he had him flipped. Yeah. So anyway, Ted obviously is the, you know, dumber one. Yeah. And so they made Keanu that because they just thought the way Keanu played it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that was a tongue twist. Like, I, like, my whole brain started to break down there. They're so right for this role. They're both just so fucking... Na- they just nail it. They just get it. And I think I think a lot of that, too, comes from the writing. Um, and if you follow... Just because I'm such a big fan of this movie, if you follow Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon's career, they've basically made a career of doing duo movies. Uh, Ed Solomon was one of the guys that famously was brought in to rewrite and was most of what they shot for Super Mario Brothers. So yeah. we've talked about mm-hmm. him already before. They worked on Men in Black together. Like, they just, they get duos so well. And it works almost every time they do it. <laughs> yeah, and their characters have a lot of rhythm. The way they say their lines. Yeah. Uh, like, they don't work. In this movie, very much so. And I'm pretty sure they did it like a musical way where, like, everything bounced off each other mm-hmm. just right with a rhythm. But definitely with Men in Black, where you kind of had Will Smith, you know, was like a a beatbox while you had, um, what's the name? Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, which is more of like an old school jazz bass. Right. (laughs) You know, where it's just like trying to put those two things together and it worked perfectly. Yeah. They're so good at what they do that it's so fitting that this was their ticket into Hollywood. Like... That yeah. this duo movie that, and you you said it before we went on air, that they used to do as like a stand-up routine together. <laughs> and yeah. they turned it into a movie because it got really popular. And like, again, yeah, like I said, now they just write duo movies and they're so fucking good at it. <laughs> well, they're such good friends that that surely plays off each other. Uh, one of them is a little bit of the like sweeter one. Mm. while the other one's a little sharper. Yeah, I really think so even for their career because Ed Solomon kind of went on to do a little bit more than Matheson did, and he's got to be, in my mind, like the Ted. And, you know, Keanu went on to do more stuff than Mm -hmm. Alex Winter did. Alex Winter did some fucking amazing stuff, but he he did, I guess, more quality than quantity, but Keanu Reeves ended up becoming, like, a lister. He could break out, too. Both of them, throughout this commentary and special features, they talked about how they kind of didn't want to do the second one in a way because they were really afraid of being tightcasted because it already had started affecting Alex Winter right when the movie came out. He said all of his auditions changed. Yeah, because he was doing stuff like Lost Boys before this, and then, yeah, Mm -hmm. then I'm sure he went... And did every bro thing or whatever, but to well, Alex Winter's credit, I mean, '94 he went and directed and starred in Freaked, which just 
completely something different. Like, <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, obviously, we'll get into that because you have that VHS one day. Yeah, well, well t- and that's yeah. fucking one of my like top twenty favorite movies of all time. So, well, it, so is this kind of though too. <laughs> such a bizarre. Yeah, he talks about a lot how he had such problems with just going into casting calls where he would get rejected and would be like, oh, you know what? We really don't need a Bill and Ted character. And he's like, I'm an actor. I, <laughs> I can do more than that. <laughs> yeah. And then like, he said one of the worst was later on, they wouldn't even take, like his agent couldn't get calls in certain movies because they're like, oh, we don't want them. We don't even want them to come in because we don't want people to think this is a Bill and Ted movie. And that's got to be just, like, make you pull out your hair frustration. Yeah. Yeah. So luckily, but, he went on to rebrand himself as a documentary director and fucking killed it with his Napster and his dark web documentaries. If you haven't seen them, they're fucking amazing. Yeah, he's a very interesting guy, and he's a very good talker and storyteller. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I could definitely see how that is right up his alley. But back into the actual story about this, where we meet Rufus. Well, first, the the whole dilemma of this is two things. One, they've got to pass their history exam where they fail out of high school. And if Ted fails out of high school, he's got to go to military school because his dad is kind of an... Well, by the way, his dad's wearing an NRA jacket and I think uh, an NRA hat at one point. That's hilarious. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. And so I've seen this movie a hundred times. Yeah, he's like a hard-ass cop. I didn't notice it either. Alex Winter pointed it out in the commentary. That's funny. So, uh, yeah, so that's the whole story of this. And then we find out the, uh, you know, the guy who drops X position is so fucking good Rufus Greetings my excellent friends Do you know when the Mongols ruled China? Wow Perhaps we could ask them Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan Gentlemen I'm here to help you with your history report. What? How? What? Oh, I hate that part. Bill, what? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Dudes, you guys are gonna go back in time. Yeah! You are going to have a most excellent adventure through history. Who are you guys? We're you, dude! No way. No way. Yes way, Ted! Look, we know how you feel. We didn't believe it either when we were you, and we us said what we us are saying right now. Okay, wait. If you guys are really us, what number are we thinking of? 69, dudes! <gasps> now, who is this this character? Who is this actor that plays Rufus? I, I've is, never seen him before. This is comedian extraordinaire George Carlin, uh, which must have been expensive for them to get because he's a fucking superstar in the 80s. Uh, no, see, they was mentioned... this on the decline? This was on the decline. Uh, yeah. Uh, George Carlin had a revival after this. Gotcha. Which was interesting because they said... Uh, I forget whoever went and talked to him. One of the writers went and talked to him because they had a hard time. They started shooting 
the production company wanted Sean Connery, and that was, you know, just a pipe dream. Yeah. They ended up going down, and someone, the producer, visited Charlie Sheen at a Padres game. And that was kind of a semi-pipe dream, because Charlie Sheen actually looked at it, and he's like, I think this is a really kind of cool script, but... I can't shoot this. I do not have 10 weeks to spare. And they're like, oh, you know, we can do it in much less time for you because you have a smaller part. He just couldn't do it. Finally, they visited one of George Carlin's, you know, just hanging out, doing a comedy club. And he said right away that he would look at it and read and boom. And they went right in. And Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves both said right when he walked on, they were starstruck. And Keanu Reeves said, it is the only autograph he's ever asked for. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because they walked in and Alex Winter said he was just like so chill. Yeah, and he, he is the definition of cool and that's why like it works so well for this movie because he's supposed to be this cool dude from the future. It worked because when I was a kid and he came on the screen, it was just like that, whoa. Yeah. That's cool. That guy's fucking awesome <laughs> yeah basically then rufus tells them that they have to make history right and they have to get an a on their test so they go back in time to collect all the i guess figures from the past hijinks ensue when they lose them <laughs> in the real world and everything like that but ultimately yeah they bring them and give this great presentation and yeah it's... went over to school and get the a and get the band going. Yeah, it's all oh, the Wild Stallions, yeah, which they are, like, iconic in the future. I think Rufus is from 26... 26 yeah, 2687, I think. Yeah. Yep. I love that, that they picked a date way in the future. Way, yeah, right, right, right. It's not, like, uh, 20 years from then. You so know? whatever their, like, music did, it influenced their current culture. And I love how that's kind of all they give. Yes, like, we don't need any more. Uh, we barely have any money to get these costumes together and everything like this. We're, we just, we don't have time to give to it. They give just enough. They give the right amount where you're just yeah. like, that's fucking awesome when you're watching the movie. We still think it's so cool. They give you just enough to yeah. make you believe it immediately. And you're just like, that's so cool. Yeah, we should talk about, too, since we've spent so much time on Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, and George Carlin. Let's go into these side characters. It's interesting because the guy who plays Napoleon, I don't know if he's a comedic actor. I saw him in some of the special features. They, they mention words like he did such a good of playing a comedic character. So I don't know if he was a comedian, but his physical comedy in this just is fantastic. And as a kid, you're like, I love Napoleon. <laughs> I think as a kid, actually, I didn't like Napoleon. I mean, he plays, but it, it's wow. testament to how well he plays it because he isn't supposed to be necessarily likable. He's a dork and it's funny, but I feel like as a kid, I was like, who's this stupid guy? Like, <laughs> Well, he's the fish out of water who's, right. a, who's a jerk. Right. But he's fun. Like when he gets into the water slide, that's when I think I was like, just watching this guy in like those... Uh, you know, old era, whatever he's wearing. Underwear. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what that is, but going down the slide. And I wanted to go to the water slide right. park. Uh, so. What do they call it? Waterloo's or something like that? Yeah, because they couldn't get the proper rights for whatever it was really called. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking 
hilarious the the water park scenes i love it and socrates socrates i i do have a sidebar story on this real quick i took four years in college of art history lecture halls so i got to hear a lot of it and one day there was a painting it has socrates in it and i I still do this today's I raised my hand to talk about it, and I said Socrates without even realizing it, yeah. which got a laugh from everyone. Yeah. And I didn't realize that I had said it wrong and got a laugh, and then the professor corrected me, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, like that. But I had to be quiet to pull it off as if I was purposely saying the joke. Right, yeah. Because I wasn't. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, like this movie is so burned in our heads that we, like say shit like Socrates or like everybody knows the joke who is Joan of Arc Noah's wife everybody knows that like everybody knows it uh it's true right yeah and it's factual as well Bill and Ted (laughs) also rewrote uh American history so (laughs) yeah world history as well is there any other of the characters that you loved I love Billy the Kid because of the way and I love that line where Alex Winter is like, you are handling time travel most whatever he says. like Most excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it's be- I love Billy the Kid because he just fucking believes everything immediately. And I'm like, I wish there were more characters like this in movies so that we can get on with the plot and not have to worry about, like, when is this character going to figure out what's going on? Like, Billy the Kid is just like, I believe it. This is time yeah. travel. This is how this works. <laughs> well, he kind of was, like, Bill and Ted, in a way, they they made them feel like that. Because when he comes in, he's like, "I need two men," and they're me like, "We're with you, Billy the Kid, <laughs> Mister <laughs> the Kid." Yeah, Mister the Kid, and then they start playing poker, and just they get the vibe of this movie so right. Like th- there is no shift in tone; it is the same tone throughout. And I'm smiling, start to finish. I like yeah. can't stop having a good time with this movie. Like it is just pure joy yeah that entire scene of billy the kid where they're back in the western was done by the same production designer as uh, time bandits oh okay so, i like this movie more <laughs> for my time travel fix <laughs> yeah uh, i agree I, yeah i i don't really ever want to watch time bandits ever much sorry sorry out there <laughs> well we they the listeners already know how i feel about terry gilliam so we've <laughs> set it to death <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, another character that was uh, Genghis Khan, which is basically that guy from so many action movies. Uh, I believe he was in uh, Die Hard. He's oh, he's been in so many things. I think they did a documentary, too, about him. Nice. Where it's just basically, hey, that Asian guy who always was cool in those movies. Just I, I don't know the title guy. of yeah, the documentary. He is, a, he is a definition of a character actor. Yeah. Everybody knows his face. Big Everybody Trouble Little him. China. Yeah. That's the he's other one. Him. Yeah. It's awesome. Love him. And he was just going crazy with the, the bat. But they had him in the documentary, and he was talking about the end of the movie, where he just randomly shows up with that, his weapon, like the spear yeah. with a knife at the end of it. He never had that throughout the film. So, <laughs> you know, the writers kind of had like, well, can he come out with that? And they're just like, it's Bill and Ted. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I never questioned it once. <laughs> Didn't even realize it until this documentary came out from Shout Factory. The Another special thing on this is the ending. Because the original ending was them doing their history report in a classroom. Mm. 
like normal people would do. Right. But they said it was so lame that they had to do something more grandiose. Because this is coming out to a theater. Yeah, you don't want to just see a classroom. I think having it in the auditorium is fucking genius. Because I do feel like there were certain reports that we had to, like, present in high school. That, like, being in an auditorium isn't isn't far from a stretch here. Like, it's... I could see me doing that. You know, like, I believe that. Yeah, they joked about it in the commentary. They're like, you know, who who does their history exam in the theater? And they're like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but they do get one fantastic line in there that has followed Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves around forever. And it's, San Dimas High School ru- Football Rules! Yeah. San Dimas High School Football Rules! Um, that's that's one of those famous lines from that fucking auditorium scene. And then when they come and they do and they show off all the the characters throughout history, especially Abe Lincoln at the end, where he's just like, and party on, dudes! Yeah. And now for our last speaker, one of the greatest presidents in American history, Mr. Abraham Lincoln. Four score and seven minutes ago, we your forefathers were brought forth upon a most excellent adventure, conceived by our new friends, Bill and Ted. These two great gentlemen are dedicated to a proposition which was true in my time just as it's true today. Be excellent to each other. And... Party on, dudes! Where he basically looks in the camera and says, party on, dudes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As a kid, like, man, I remember just being so full of joy at the end of this film. And I was as an adult. I just watched the end of it. I agree. Like, as a kid, I felt the exact same way about this movie as I feel today, where I'm just, like, laughing. I'm having a good time. I want to be them. I want to hang out with them. Like, I'm just, like, and I still feel that way now. It's amazing. It's such a testament to how fucking wonderful this movie is. Like... Easily in my top favorite films of all time. Easily. Yeah. It like grabbed my soul and then shoved it back in Little Steve. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, just have fun, man. This, I'm going to blow your mind. This movie is time travel. It makes you feel like a kid again. Oh my God, you just blew my mind. <laughs> Let's go back in time so we can like leave some treats here. <laughs> oh my God, it's right here. We did it. It worked. <laughs> I do love that, the, their little, like, stupid pseudo-time-travel science that they put in. They're like, 
man, we need those keys to get them out of the jail. It's like, I know what we'll do. We'll remind ourselves to put the keys somewhere back in time and when we're here now. And then he's like, like, where, man? Behind the sign! <laughs> Whoa, dude! And they pull out the keys. I love it. It's fast. It like Instead of having to show me all this shit or, you know, have to have these big explanations and exposition of how they get the keys there, it's just like, we're going to do it later. We did it! Like, I'm, I fucking love it. Like, I love it. I wish more movies would take this, like, no-nonsense approach to fucking movies today. Well, I do wonder why I... I'll tend to nitpick things a lot. But when I watch this film, there's something about my brain that goes, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I can't nitpick this movie. I mean, I'm, I'm a little less nitpicky. I tend to just fall in love with movies that I fall in love with. And I just, like, ignore all the problems. Like, as we talked about in Cool World and uh, Super Mario Brothers, I fucking, I don't care. I just love those movies. This is the same way. Like, I immediately go from, like, filmmaker, amateur film analysis to, like, just fan again when yeah. I watch this movie. Just, like... These, this is one of the few movies, and I actually put Alex Winter's Freaked in there as well, one of the few movies that I can watch and just immediately turn all that shit off and just be happy for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's straight fun. It works just as well equally in the second film. It's fucking amazing that they are able to do this so well again. <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting, the second film, because Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves both said, and the writers, hey, we're not doing a second one unless it's completely different. And apparently the title of that film when it started shooting was Bill and Ted Goes to Hell. Yeah, and which is just perfect which is just perfect <laughs> well and the, the production studio which i do not blame the production studio said no way <laughs> <laughs> but bogus journey is pretty great too so and it's a play on the first movie's title and all that stuff but you know it makes sense but i don't know how they do it i literally it's it's mind-boggling to me because usually sequels even if it was a better movie than the first movie they usually do something this is just equal in every way it's just just as perfect. <laughs> I think you know that we recommend this movie at this point. Oh, so. <laughs> yes. I... <laughs> so we don't need to cover any more of that shit. Yeah, let's jump into the museum here. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. Every week, we take something that we've learn from whether we love it or it's something bad that we need to just remember to not do again <laughs> a lump of coal if you will that we put in the museum what are you putting in the museum this week Ooh, wow this is really really hard but i think i would have to put in a duo that is so likable that you just want to constantly follow them around, watch what they're doing. I mean, you could put these two in any scenario and they're it's probably enjoyable. I could watch them wash dishes and it'd be like, whoa, man, you did such a great job on that. You <laughs> and know? I'd, be like, I'd be like, yes, he did do a good job. I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, what do you got for it? Uh, I, I think in a broader sense, I'm going to put a positive thing in like I do every week. My positive thing I'm going to put in is an overall, just the dialogue, it's fucking wonderful, like, just the way they talk to each other and everything like that. But to this day, still, as many times as I possibly can get it into a conversation, I still say, Missy, I mean, Mom, 
every time I can because it's every time it happens in the movie, it fucking cracks me up. <laughs> I know it's coming. They made the joke several times. They do it a bunch of times in the sequel. Still cracks me up in that one. So, I mean, if I got to take one section that I love the most, I still say that one all the time. But the dialogue in general is so fucking perfect in both of these movies. <laughs> it is. They're so infectious. Ugh. It's wonderful. All right, so we're done with the positive part of the show. <laughs> now that we've gotten all the positivity out of the way, let's stew for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to stew on the James Gunn scenario. Renowned director James Gunn has been fired from the upcoming movie Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 after old tweets reemerged in which Gunn makes inappropriate statements regarding pedophilia and child sexual abuse. The tweets were dug up by several media outlets in data between 2009 and 2012. A much more mild one read, for example, I remember my first North American man-boy love association meeting. It was the first time I felt okay being who I am. Some of those guys are still my BFFs. Gunn deleted his Twitter account and republished it with a statement that read in part, quote, for the record, when I made these shocking jokes, I wasn't living them out. I know this is a weird statement to make and seems obvious, but still, here I am, saying it. I don't blame my past self for this, but I like myself more and feel like a more full human being and creator today. Love you too, you all. Gunn is currently writing and producing a reboot of Starsky and Hutch for Amazon. Now, we're going to put a little note here, a little, a little footnote, that we're doing this several weeks before this actual episode will air. Yes. So we'll see what changes? Yes, it is uh, July 21st when we were recording this. So yesterday, July 20th, uh, James Gunn was just fired from Guardians of the Galaxy 3 for comments that he made 10 years ago on Twitter. So this is this episode's going to drop uh, August 2nd, I believe. This one will be dropping. So things will change, probably, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. like, we'll hear more about Gunn, like his future, his past, I'm sure, everything. So things might change, but th as of the day after it happened, like we are fresh on this. This is how we feel. Yeah, so this is uh, right off the, what, how do they say this? Right off the cuff? Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. I'm not a... Well, yeah, off the cuff would be like, you, you're just going to say what you're feeling right now. You're yes, yeah. Depressed. That would be the biggest word. I, I am a little depressed on this. James Gunn is uh, a guy I've literally met in real life at a Red Lobster in Kansas City. <laughs> the story on that is uh, 2006? I don't know. So was slither it? time. Yeah. And I was living in uh, the middle of Missouri, traveled to Kansas City for the fuck of it to see a friend, and we went to dinner with their family, and of course, when you're in Kansas City, you have to go to a commercial restaurant, and that commercial restaurant happened to be Red Lobster! Yes. And the family and them were all in the waiting, you know how they give you the little vibration things? Yeah. I remember just staring at it, and I'm like, I can't can't do this i gotta walk away because it was his family and they were talking and they're asking me all these questions and i and it's crowded and i got very anxious so i walked to the bar to get a bud light that's when you know you're from missouri um, <laughs> and i hate bud light i look over to the right and i see this guy scribbling on napkins just writing and then i notice his face right away because i'm a i'm a huge fan of james gunn and i walked over talked to him i go excuse me I waited until he was done writing. I saw that he looked up at the TV. 
so I was trying to be polite. Right. Because I hate doing this. Right, right, right. And he was so nice and cool, and, you know, we just talked about stuff. I I told him, <laughs> I was like, I, gotta, I, gotta, I pitched him a movie as a joke, and he thought it was hilarious where it was... Uh, whales that could fly and then they would kill people because save the whales type thing. Mm. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, that sounds great. I'd watch it. You know, like, <laughs> I'm sure he's just being nice. Right, right. But he is a genuinely good dude. When you see this, and I think it's funny because his tweets probably came right after this that came up. Right. Yeah, this was around that time. Yeah, so I probably drove him to make these tweets. It's all my fault. <laughs> Yeah, my, my feeling on this just initially off the cuff is I'm fucking furious because James Gunn has always been, as long as, you know, I've actually seriously been pursuing this filmmaking career, been a hero of mine. He started small, he started in horror, he started in trauma mm-hmm. stuff. And I mean, that's obviously the same shit I grew up with. So, like, I basically grew up with, like, Tromeo and Juliet, which he wrote, and actually directed but never got any credit for um but (laughs) yeah yeah, this dude has been a hero to me since i was a teenager and since i yeah knew i was gonna make movies for the rest of my life so i'm furious about this because i think he is one of the most genuinely great fucking storytellers just period just he is one of our all-time greats yeah he's a very good character writer Yes, and I think we got something really special with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I mean, you put you put Marvel aside, you put Disney aside, you put superhero movies aside as a genre. Those are just fucking great movies, period. The first Guardians of the Galaxy, seeing it for the first time, is similar. Not the same, because I don't want to make it this grand, but like similar to seeing Star Wars for the first time. Similar. Not the same, but... I love the first Guardians. I almost... It, to me, it's like a perfect movie. Yeah. Um, now, that might be going a little too far because I just don't know about enough about film. But what I mean by a perfect movie is I can literally watch it anywhere yeah. with friends by myself in a theater. Doesn't matter. And I want to watch it. Right. Love the movies he's written. I love his Dawn of the Dead remake. I think mm-hmm. it is on the level with the original. It's a completely different movie. It's, it's almost like comparing apples and oranges when they're like, oh, do you like the original or the remake better? They're so different. Yeah. But I love his I love his script for that movie. I think it's a really tight and a really awesome script. And, and Zack Snyder couldn't even fuck it up. And Zack, <laughs> it's Zack Snyder's best fucking movie still. Like, still. I think, I think writing, directing, I think Super is his masterpiece. I think Super is one of the best fucking movies just ever also. Uh, to be more positive again, <laughs> I think Super is fucking perfect, and I love that movie. And I think it incorporates it the best of sort of the future, more soft him with the harder, edgier, early him. And I think they blend really nicely together in that movie. So I've got I've got a couple notes, and it's actually not notes; it's the text I sent you yesterday about this. But like, I feel like I would get tripped up trying to say it without having it in front of me that's fine i'm gonna share some thoughts and then feel free to share yours or jump in or whatever Mm -hmm. here but basically this whole thing started with a conservative person rallying his troops and this is not like a conservative like a regular conservative this is like an all alt right mm -hmm. nazi i think his name is mike cervical cancer Yes, yes yes mike cervical cancer is the person that started this and it's 
was basically to bring him down because he was criticizing Trump. Yeah, and his actual, like, tag name is Weird Mike, if you ever want to yes. look up the douchebag and, like, fucking hate-watch him. Yeah, like, this guy is gross. You know, I fucked a girl, she said I raped her, that cost me 50 grand, it cost me five years of my life. But it made you who you are yeah, today. Yeah, but now look at me now. What if I had not fucked her? Well, maybe I'd be some fucking schlub dude living a life of quiet desperation with three kids and a wife that hates me. You should send her a card saying thank you. <laughs> I was arrested by federal marshals for rape, and my ex-wife came to bail me out of jail. When I, like, split with my wife, that I would, well, actually, I, would, I cheated on her, you know, ruthlessly. Towards the, <laughs> towards, you know, what? The worst of the worst of human beings. So, I know I dog on conservatives all the time, but this is not normal. This is not like the normal conservatives that I shit on here. And much, much like myself, James Gunn has never identified as liberal. I, I don't know if I necessarily, I definitely lean left, but I don't know if I identify fully as a liberal because of some of the things well, I disagree with. Well, I mean, with. we both kind of shit on extreme liberals, too. Right. So I don't know if I've ever, I definitely don't identify as conservative. I fucking hate him. But, like, I've never identified as liberal either. Neither has James Gunn. But he has always criticized Trump. He doesn't like Trump or whatever. And this cervical cancer asshole is the guy who, you know, sucks on the ass of Trump and then wants to bring everybody down and disagrees. So he basically, you know, rounded up James Gunn's old, edgier tweets that he would write, you know, basically from his trauma days where he would say gross shit like this for to get a reaction out of people. And when I when I was, like, seeing these tweets when I was, like, 16 years old or whatever and he was tweeting this shit, I thought it was fucking hilarious. Like, we've obviously grown since then. I've grown since then. He's grown since then. But yeah. back then, that was shock humor that was funny to me. You know, that's that South Park effect or whatever. Like, Well, yeah, you have to... It's very hard, especially with writing, to kind of balance this out. Now, if you would have heard him say this, like Stephen Colbert back in the day when he was doing his, like, shock Republican. Right. You know, like, if you just read what he... If you just read what he said on, like, a transcript, you'd be like, oh, what's up with this dude? This is awful. But I think that's where this problem comes in because I've heard James Gunn talk like this back in the day, and it was always with, like, a, na a wink and a nod. Yeah, he, like... I mean... He, but he was angry. He for says a while, stuff like yeah. I say stuff on this podcast, you know, yeah. like, where I'm like, I'm being gross, I'm being like offensive, but it's like jokey, it's funny. I'm not comparing myself, I'm not as smart at all. I'm the stupid version of it, but like, it's the same type of thing, like where, you know, you say stuff like that. He apologized. In 2012, before Guardians happened, before Guardians came out, he apologized for all of this. He says he's grown, everything like that. I don't think he ever should have apologized because the past is the past. That's what you said. You know, like, this cervical cancer asshole who did it has made rape jokes before, but you get the feeling that this guy would rape somebody. James Gunn was making rape jokes as in, like, making, almost making fun of these people that talk like this. You know, there was an extra layer yeah. to like you said, the Stephen Colbert doing the ultra-Republican. Yeah. There was this layer to it where it was satirical. Not even I'm not going to defend what he said because I don't think he even should have apologized. They were jokes. Let it be. But Disney took the bait immediately. Mm -hmm. The alt-right... I'm just going to call them Nazis because they're not alt-right. Like, let's <laughs> let's not call... Uh, let's call a spade a spade here. These Nazis are... Well, I mean, you should also mention that the guy we're talking about, Weird Mike, he joked about rape and he joked about like choking girls and right. he and then he told a story of when he did it and how it was funny and then how he cheats on his wife and women are just there to fuck right and like this, this is guy's the, awful yeah this is the guy that's saying like oh james gunn was immoral 
he wasn't yeah. you know he's bad and disney like disney took the bait and like i i now i have we said enough kind of about cervical cancer but now i have some shit to say to disney like like i can't believe they took the bait they're literally still paying john lasseter who works for pixar who has been accused multiple like numerous times of sexual assault he's still on the disney payroll like two while disney has a background with nazis this is truth this is not me being like conspiracy theorist you could look it up Disney has Nazi ties. <laughs> well, and very sketchy, uh, racial, and sensitive back in the day. Even back in the day, yes. people thought, it like, It was a little bit much. Yeah. Right. And then, like, lastly, like, if they're that concerned with the jokes that Gunn was making about pedophilia, they wouldn't have employed Victor Salva after he got out of jail for being a convicted pedophile and gave him money to make powder immediately after he got out. This is Disney that did this, but, like, they believe these people that, like, support a guy who, again, has multiple charges of sexual assault, says things like grab him by the pussy, and they believe people that follow this that they want to be morally right, and it fucking blows my mind. This is such a shitty situation. As soon as they saw all this come out, they whimpered it in the corner and just fired James Gunn. Yeah, which... Tucked tail ran away and the last the last thing i'll say about this and you feel free to say more but the last thing i'll say about this is that like these guys probably think they won you know they brought james gunn down or whatever oh he did win no they didn't because look at look at the support that gunn has gotten that has been overwhelming but if james gunn doesn't get his job back in disney he he's going to get a small victory no matter what it's a small victory but when you think about it in, over the years, as the years go on, as things progress, we will always have the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. People are still going to be watching them. People are still going to be talking about them. And Gunn has his money. He's got Disney money. He's fine. Like, he's not hurting. Like, he didn't, like, take away this guy's livelihood. He's fine. He's I, gonna, I see what you're saying. He's going to go back yeah. to his mansion and these trolls are going to go back to their basements. And it's like, who really won this here? Years down the line, when we progress, we're always still going to have Slither and Super and Guardians. And his legacy is going to last. Even if the the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is going to be the last movie he makes, which it's not. He's going to work. He's going to work again. But even if it was his last, they're going to survive. This agenda and this, you know, troll culture and all that, nobody's going to remember this weird mic. He's going to fade away to obscurity like all these other, you know, people that, you know, have these radically backwards ways of thinking. He's going to be forgotten. And Gunn's legacy is going to last forever. So even if he never makes another movie again, he already made it. Damage done. We still win. (laughs) Yeah, I do believe this is going to open up an entire different arena for him. Yeah. uh, Where he's going to get to work on these other projects that we probably never would have saw because he would have been wrapped up in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and then who knows what happened after that so I do find that interesting to get off this like Guardians uh, just ride he was on which was great the first one like I said I considered a perfect movie yeah 
and he apologized for it many years ago, which is so annoying. And then he just goes off and he does other great work. I heard people said like, well, of course liberals are going to jump on his side, but why don't they help out Roseanne? And I go, I'll, I'll tell you why. Roseanne, when she got caught doing her thing, not only, well, it took her a while to apologize, but then she blamed it on Ambient. Yeah. And then she's progressively just gone off the fucking deep end afterwards, where she's constantly, like, in an extreme defense, which pretty much tells you, yeah, we get it. You you know what you did was wrong. You know wrong. you fucked up. Yeah. yeah. And just apologize and move on. Like, that's all you have to do, because these are just words. I know everyone says everyone's so sensitive right now, and, and they are. They are because we are constantly bombarded with fucking bullshit. Yeah. And it's an annoying world out there, especially in social media. And I now call social media social media pretty much a germ. It is. It's the worst thing to happen to us, right? Yeah. They tried to do this. As soon as uh, Roseanne got fired, they tried to do this to Samantha B. She's fine. She's still doing good. Her show's still on. They tried I, I don't to, even know what they... I don't even know. You know, then they, they've, they've tried to bring down... They've tried to bring down Black Panther. They've tried to bring down Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And it never works. It's not going to work on Gun either. Sorry, guys. You still fucking lose. Like, <laughs> when when the trolls are long gone, dead and forgotten in 100 years, we're still going to have all the movies that they tried to block. <laughs> it's true. Until the lights go out. <laughs> so, all they're right. going to be gone. We win. <laughs> Sweet. Let's roll credits on this podcast because <laughs> it's been a good one. And as we said, go back, watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure again, because it's fucking great. It's an amazing movie. It is a perfect movie. It's an amazing movie. It's going to make you smile from start to finish. Woo! Oh, man. Remember to rate and review us on iTunes. You can listen to us on iTunes. Podbean, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Play. So many options. And remember to be kind. Rewind! Hey, everybody. What's up? I'm here, too. We are the Jersey Ghouls, a horror podcast based out of the Garden State. Join us on Jersey Ghouls for Marissa's scholarly conversations. By the way, if you Google psycho female, you definitely don't get the name of the actress from Psycho. Join us on Jersey Ghouls for Nate's thrilling debate. Why? Why are you so resistant against because it? Because don't, don't you start. Join us on Jersey Ghouls for Jackie's love of 80s slasher movie, Topless Seat. Whoa, Jackie, this is a feminist podcast. I know. I'm a woman. And as a woman, I appreciate a nice set of jugs. Okay, but you shouldn't call them jugs. Hooters? Bazungas? Tatas? Dirty pillows? I, I like boobs, too. Can, can I call them fun bags? No! We're the Jersey Ghouls. You can find us on social media by searching Jersey Ghouls on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also find our blog and podcast on our website, jerseyghouls.com. <laughs>